now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here with you, as always, alongside my good buddy, Rich Hill, as we break down week three in the NFL season. The Patriots took out the Raiders pretty handily, pretty fun game, pretty wild week in the NFL, Rich Hill. I'm not sure if you caught all the games or just the Patriots game, but there's a lot of interesting, I'll say, things that happened around the NFL this past week. Oh, yeah, seriously. There's a lot of a uh, lot of good comebacks from familiar faces. We, we saw that the Tennessee Titans on the back of six kicks from Steven Goskowski. They beat the Minnesota Vikings 31 to 30. So congrats to Goskowski. We saw the Bears mount a, another comeback against the Falcons, uh, as in the Falcons blew another like 28 to seven lead in the fourth quarter or something preposterous like that. Uh, the Falcons have been an absolute collapsing dumpster and allowed 20 points in the fourth quarter. The bills led a very controversial touchdown uh, to beat the Rams. Alec, where do you want to start with this busy week? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, I guess I'll start with maybe a game you haven't touched on rich. And it's a team that at least I thought would be in contention for maybe a two seed in the AFC. Uh, one of the games I thought could really go either way when the Patriots play them later on in the season, which is the Houston Texans losing mm. to the Steelers 21 to 28. They've had a pretty brutal three game stretch to start the season and are now sitting at zero and three. Are the Texans done or will they make the comeback? It's really hard to come out of an 0-3 hole to start the season and make any kind of splash. But I wonder, just based on their schedule and the toughness of it, if you think they're kind of ready to write off for the year. Yeah, I mean, there's a possibility, I mean, as in a very, very slim one, because teams that start 0-3 almost never, ever, ever make the postseason uh, and especially not compete in their division. But maybe with the expanded playoffs, possibly. But this is a team that looks like it has no direction. You know, Watson has definitely regressed, but that's probably because they don't have their top receiver anymore, who's now the league-leading receiver for the Arizona Cardinals. And instead, they're handing it off to David Johnson, who's been middling as a running back. This is an offense that ranks 28th in points scored and a defense that ranks 29th in points allowed. This is not a good team. I think Bill O'Brien has really, uh, you know, in his couple of weeks at the helm of the team, just really ruined their opportunity to compete this year. Yeah, no, no, I agree. You know, I, I figured the Texans were one of those teams. They'd finally turn the corner and they'd, they'd get a decent run. And Bill O'Brien just can't seem to get over that hump. And I'm always very little. I'm always depressed when a quarterback of the caliber of Deshaun Watson ends up kind of just struggling it's really always depressing to see but uh, on the flip side of that there's another young quarterback who is not struggling and that is Patrick Mahomes Ooh. who pretty much had his way with the Ravens who were a very good team on Monday night I know it's early and there's a lot of football to be played still but what I've seen from Patrick Mahomes in very limited highlights I haven't really seen many Chiefs games start to finish but this kid is just unbelievably talented that offense is just a touchdown waiting to happen on every single play and as a football fan, I love it. Oh, I mean, this is probably one of the most balanced offensive attacks we've ever seen. They had six players with over 60 yards on the day. You know, Travis Kelsey led them with 87 yards. McCole Hardman had 81 yards and a touchdown. Big deep threat guy. Tyreek Hill, 77 and a touchdown. Edwards Hilaire, their first round running back, had 70 yards receiving, but added 64 on the ground. And then Sammy Watkins, you know, who took a discount to come back to try and compete again with them, uh, led the team with seven receptions for 62 yards. So, 
that's your starting five, three wide receivers. You have a tight end and a running back. They don't really have to do anything else. Mahomes is, you know, the best quarterback in the league from a talent perspective. Uh, he, he's right up there with Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers this year as the top three quarterbacks in the league. Uh, you can throw Josh Allen there if you feel like it. But, I mean, Mahomes can do whatever the heck he wants. And it really is a matter of can this Chiefs defense hold back some of the opposing teams? Because if they can hold the other team below 30 points, then the Chiefs have a chance to win. No, it's true. It's uh, wild and, and fun to watch and maybe the kind of turning the corner of a new era of football, what we're seeing. and Maybe the the pocket passer is slowly getting phased out. We'll see. Again, there's never really a scenario where a mobile quarterback who uses his legs a lot and runs around lasts that long, unfortunately. But hopefully Mahomes is the exception because he's just a blast to watch play. Um, but there's a, another pocket quarterback out there, Rich. Uh, Tom Brady's still looking pretty good. Buccaneers handled the Broncos 28 to 10. I thought he looked good. I think Brady's looking pretty good over there. He's not the Brady of old, but I think he was on par with what he did in seasons past. Overthrew a couple of guys. He targeted Gronk, I think, five or six times. Mike Evans now has two receptions for two yards and two <laughs> touchdowns, which is a wild stat. Uh, but I think Brady's coming to his own at Buccaneers offense. Yeah, I mean, he, he's definitely working through the adjustment, and they were battling some injuries early on. I still think, I mean, he is... Uh, playing at a similar level to what he was doing last year, which is to say he's no longer that top 10 quarterback in my mind. He's still an above average player, but he is playing like down the backstretch quite obviously of his career. And he he's really benefiting from being surrounded by such really good talent. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's also learning a new offense. It always takes some time to learn that Bruce Arians offense we've seen in the past, uh, a lot of players struggle for their first year in that system before really taking it on the following year. So, uh, you know, with a truncated offseason, with a bunch of new faces around him, we won't really know how Brady is going to be performing until next year. But uh, then he'll be another year older. So I, I think the fact that he is having the Buccaneers in a spot to compete at this point is a good sign. I do. I agree. And it's always good when the Tom Brady-led offense beats the Broncos. It's one of those teams that always seems to give him fits, even though the Broncos kind of stink this year. Um, let's go to the AFC East, Rich. Uh, before we get to the Patriots-Raiders games, what we're all here to talk about, you briefly touched on Josh Allen as a potential top quarterback in the NFL right now. Uh, the Rams lost to the Bills. I think they blew a 28-3 lead, ironically, uh, for the Bills. And then some kind of questionable officiating, some calls that maybe could have gone one way or another – led to a Bills touchdown very late in the game. The Bills are 3-0. The Rams are a pretty good team. I think it's safe to say at this point the Bills are a pretty serious contender in the AFC East, which oh. is weird. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that if Allen can continue his level of play, which as we've seen over the past, you know, not even just this season, but towards the latter part of last year, He's in the upper tier of quarterbacks right now. Maybe he's not consistently proven enough to be like he's absolutely with the Mahomes, Rogers, Wilson tier, but he's showing that he has the potential to elevate himself up to that position. And I think that the Bills have done such a good job surrounding him with enough talent that they can perform every single week. Like Stephon Diggs was the perfect type of receiver for what they want to do on that offense. And so you have your Diggs, you have your Brown, you have your Cole Beasley. That's a great trio of wide receivers for them. And if if they're able to continue to produce with Allen, who, you know, Singletary is a very good running back for them as well, 
they have a well-rounded offense and while their defense still hasn't come together as they have in years past i trust that they will because i think that's where sean mcdermott is at his strongest is with figuring out that defense that yeah they can compete with any team in the league as well and while there was that controversial end to the game against the rams it was completely bogus defensive pass interference that set them up on the goal line uh that interception that josh allen threw was also a little bit bogus too that uh that definitely should have been the receiver's ball for whatever reason you know they both came down with it at the same time they gave it to the defense uh, but that that definitely should have not been an interception so ball don't lie a little bit in that case but that was a really bad call to end that game yeah, it was. But, you know, that's football. I think when we get really in the nitty-gritty about this call shouldn't happen, that flag shouldn't have been thrown, that guy shouldn't have lined up offsides, that eliminates the the sport aspect of it. And I never understood why people get so upset about it. Sometimes you get screwed, sometimes you screw somebody else, and that's just the way it is. Would you say, Rich, that the Buffalo Bills are the best team in the AFC East right now, or are the 2-1 and Patriots who have two very solid victories, won this past Sunday against a pretty good Raiders team, uh, at least in the conversation? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say they're definitely neck and neck. I would say Allen is obviously playing better than Cam Newton at this point in time, but I think that the Patriots overall have more talent. Uh, so it'll be a close one. I, I think that this will be the first time in recent memory that the Patriots aren't the obvious favorite to win the division down in you know week 15, 16 of the season. So this is going to be great. So long as both teams stay healthy, they're, they're going to be battling until the end. But I, I think that what we saw from the Patriots against the Raiders, what we've seen from them each week this year, is that they're obviously still treating it like the preseason. They're figuring out what it is that they're good at. And they're going to kick it into another gear because that's what the Patriots do every single year. They're following the same formula as they've done in the past, figuring out, okay, this is how we win on offense. We can do it this way. We can do it that way. These are our strengths. And so while I think that the Bills are not, I'm not going to say that they've peaked, obviously, but it looks to me like they are producing as, uh, you know, their ideal form of an offense. The Patriots are still trying to figure out what it is that they're going to do. And I'm not going to ever count out the Patriots of winning the division until the math says they can't win it. Yeah, I, mean, I think you made a great point about they're still figuring themselves out offensively. If you look at the past three weeks, we've seen three distinctly different offensive game plans from the RPL Cam Newton show against Miami to slinging it, airing it out against the Seattle Seahawks to a very big run set run heavy running Tony Michelle Rex Burkhead JJ Taylor making sure they're imposing their will on the defense which I think was really nice to see that's I think what they've been trying to do with Tom Brady as he his career started to wind down just making sure that they can control the ball they can run the ball at will they get the ball to their bigger backs and my funny I, I actually I think on our Thursday podcast we're previewing this this show this, this game was what does Sony Michelle bring to this team that that the other running backs can't? And it's like he heard me because <laughs> he went off for I think 117 yards on nine carries. I uh, had a 48 yard run, which is awesome. He looked decisive. He was like that second one cut and go kind of guy. He broke tackles. I was so worried when he got stuffed a little early and they brought J.J. Taylor in for those toss and sweep plays. And J.J. Taylor looked good as well. I'm like, wow, that might be the end of Sony Michelle. And the next carry he got, he said, I am the lead back for this team. I am going to get it done. And I think if he can keep that up, him and Rex Burkhead and the return of James White should be back this coming Sunday against the, the Chiefs. That's probably one of the, the, the best three-headed rushing attacks in the NFL. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that if Michelle can be this guy that he was against the Raiders on a consistent basis, then he's absolutely going to be that lead back. Because you know what? Biggest thing for me, two catches for 23 yards. 
that has always been the issue when the Patriots use Michelle is that they don't throw him the ball and it allows opposing defense to say, let's just stack the box. And so they know that if he doesn't get the ball, it's going to be a play action, but giving him the ball through the air makes it harder for the defense to figure out how to stop him. And it makes it much easier for him and the rest of the players who run the ball. And so I'm very, very happy to see that they got him involved in the passing game. But yeah, Rex Burkhead had a a fantastic day, three touchdowns, 98 yards overall. Michelle had his 140 yards overall. JJ Taylor added his 43 yards. As you said, with White there, you could even throw Taylor on there. They have four backs that can really produce, uh, and you know they can produce running and catching, which is exactly what Cam Newton needs because he had his worst day in a Patriots uniform. You know, short three weeks, but he had his worst game quite clearly. Uh, he was not hitting the receivers like he was in previous weeks. He, uh, you know, only had 162 yards passing, 27 yards rushing. He was not the same efficient guy that he was, and yet the Patriots still put up 36 points, you know, 29 of them all on offense. And so this is a Patriots team that doesn't necessarily need Cam Newton to be on if those running backs are still doing so well. What I really loved about that game, Rich, was the Patriots, you see this, it seemed like a couple times a year, a defensive coordinator comes in with a very sound game plan that the Patriots can't figure out. It takes them a couple of drives, they keep getting stuffed. Those first was three drives New England had were just punt, punt, punt. And then one first down, which came on a penalty when someone jumped offside on the punt. So, and then the interception, right? It was punt, punt, interception, I think, were the first three drives New England had. And it was just ugly. It was very, very ugly. However, they realized the Raiders were stuffing the middle. They were collapsing toward the center, forcing the tight ends to push in and not letting the Pages get anything up front and letting Cam, and making sure Cam Newton stayed in the pocket. So they switched to a lot of toss plays, a lot of outside zone rush plays. J.J. Taylor started moving the ball well. Rex Burke started moving the ball well. And once that, Raiders had to adjust to go move to the outside. They pounded the middle of Sony Michelle. And that versatility and that adjustment is really exciting to see because if Damien Harris, who comes back this week, can also get involved in that, I just wonder if this is one of those Patriots teams that just marches down the field kills clock, grinds out yards, exhaust defense, and then lets Cam Newton go off in the second half. I'm just really excited. Again, you mentioned over and over, we're right. We're still in the preseason. We're not even close to the finished product. But I think there's potential on this Patriots offense to just wear you down with the run in the first half and then light you up with the pass in the second half. Oh, I mean, that's basically what the Tennessee Titans did last year, and they had success against a lot of the teams in the postseason. So uh, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots said, you know what, let's just – take a page out of that book and just go run heavy. And something that we haven't talked about with great import to their rushing attack is this offensive line who are playing without David Andrews, their captain who's on the injured reserve because he broke his snapping hands. And so he is not suiting up. Patriots put Joe Tooney in at center, had an impeccable game, did not allow a pass pressure up the middle. He was fantastic. Then rookie Michael Nwainu slotted right in at left guard he has been outstanding. I'm shocked with how good this rookie has been. He's like 330 pounds. He's a big guy. He had been rotating in at right tackle with Jermaine Luminor. And then they said, all right, well, Tooney's moving into the middle. Onweno, you are next best offensive lineman. You're going to play left guard. I know you are a right guard in college, but you're going to play left guard. 
and he did an amazing job. Uh, I think Pro Football Focus had him as uh, their best left guard in the entire league. He's a top 10 guard, according to their metrics, all year. He's been just a stellar player as a young rookie. And so I think the Patriots have a steal with him. But I think big point being, you have him, Illuminor, you have Tooney, Mason, Andrew. You have a lot of guys who are really, really feisty in the run game. Isaiah Wynn as well. Wynn has taken another step this year. You have what could be the best offensive line in the league and definitely one of the best top six linemen. So if you want to go into that jumbo package, this rushing attack could just march down the field against most teams. I'll tell you, Rachel, I will see your great offensive line and I will raise you a Jakob Johnson and blocking wide receivers. I think all <laughs> great job on Sunday. I think one of the issues we both had was usually Patriots blocking wide receivers are on point. It's a strength of the team. Bill Belichick really covets a wide receiver who can block down the field and open up lanes for the backs and the tight ends. And I'm against the Seahawks especially. We really saw guys not getting their blocks, not sticking their blocks. BB shedding them uh, on Sunday. Great blocking from the receivers. I thought Jakob Johnson might, have been, might be the unsung hero of 2020 so far. He's really developing into a good fullback. He's no James Devlin, but for a guy who was born in a different country, didn't really understand what football was. I think it's a <laughs> cool story. Um, and Sony Michelle is just better running behind the fullback. And you can see that on his 48-yard run, it was right behind Jakob Johnson, who, which I love to see. He had, I think he had the, the, the Mike linebacker. He saw the Mike linebacker overcommitting, so he made the adjustment on the fly, got second level, and chipped off a cornerback, which allowed Michelle to get up to the, uh, the second level and run for that 48-yarder. It's that kind of instinct and good decision-making that I love to see out of Jakob Johnson. The receivers are blocking well. And if they can keep this up, I think a leading receiver with with not that many yards is, is okay because, you know, it's all about getting into the end zone. Uh, the only concern I have, Rich, I feel like this team doesn't really have a second and goal from the nine-yard line. No. go-to guy um they're gonna have to kind of run it down to like the, if they, once they get inside the three they're probably gonna score every single time they slam it in with newton they do a toss play to jj taylor or burkhead and they, they'll be able to get in but what would you do or what would your what would your concern be about you know to goal to go from the 10 to like the seven yard line who's your who's your receiving threat it should be Nikhil harry i think but they're not really targeting him in the red zone so what are your concerns there yeah, I mean, there's a lot of concerns, obviously, and I, I think when it comes to how the Patriots struggled the last couple of years while Gronkowski wasn't the same player, they just weren't able to replace his red zone production, and Edelman, I think, in my mind, would be the guy to get them from that seven-yard line to the goal line. I'm not expecting him to score, but I'm expecting him to get them closer, but he's battling that injury, and so they're trying to protect him as much as possible, uh, but I, I would say that Edelman would be the guy. I would say maybe Gunnar Olszewski, when he comes back, could also be that guy to help him get closer to the goal line to allow Cam Newton to punch it in. But I don't think other than Harry, they have a big target that they could utilize down in that red zone in that, uh, you know, 10 yards to go situation. Um, and, and when it is only Harry, it makes it easy for opposing teams to say, Oh, we'll just double him. And then you're not going to have anyone else. And that's basically how it's been playing out you know you, you cover harry and then that means that no one else is really able to win those matchups with their size or speed when the the field is so compact if i'm the patriots i say uh it's about time to get those rookie tight ends involved because you need someone who can you know just out physical these defenders in that red area yeah i'm glad you brought the tight ends up because one play i think i want to talk about with you and it was cam newton's interception which was a horrible throw 
you see he just read the he stared down the receiver and they got Adam jumped it and it was a good play by the defense. That's just a really bad throw. But I was watching the replay again and I saw as he was kind of scrambling and the play broke down, he had Asiasi kind of streaking in front of him and he pointed at him. And I feel like the play there would be Asiasi to turn around for a quick outlet for like a three or four yard gain. But Asiasi kind of just kept going. You're on like a tight end streak down the field. So he eliminated himself as receiving option, which makes me believe, while the, the pick is still on Newton, maybe the tight ends are not quite there yet in terms of the communication, the hot route, the reads, and we're not quite ready to see they've integrated the offense that you and I both hope they would be at this point. Yeah, I, I agree. Although I, I would say if, when I watched it, I saw Asiasi was wide open. Cam Newton yeah. pointed at him. He, he went down the field because I think the defender just dropped off him. And that's, uh, you know, that's who picked off the ball was the defender who was covering him. And I, I think that if Newton had kept his eyes up down the field, he would have seen Asiasi open. And I'm positive that they've had that conversation and the Patriots are going to try and plan around this by making sure that the tight ends get open when Cam Newton stresses the opposing defense when he rolls out towards the, goal, uh, the, the sidelines is that those defenders are going to have to make a choice and someone's going to get open. And he misread it this time, obviously, but I would say that uh, there's definitely a real chance that the tight ends could get more involved because they were just wide open. I think what's positive is that Asiasi had 29 snaps. He's getting more time on that offense than he was in earlier weeks. Uh, and I, I honestly think it's just a matter of time before the Patriots start getting him a little bit more involved. I hope so, because I think the tight ends need to be more than just blockers. This offense to work. It'll have to be a Gronkowski-Hernandez situation, but... Uh, there's always been at least one good receiving tight end on this team, and right now we don't really have one. Um, we've gone this whole podcast, Rich, on the offense, which is great. Great rushing attack, good receivers. Nikhil Harry really kept coming into his own. We're almost out of time. We should probably talk about the defense a little bit here. Uh, it was basically 13 points they gave up. The, the garbage time touchdown, I never really count those. Yep. And the only thing I'm really concerned about with the defense was that drive they let up right before the half. That's yeah. not – Something you usually see out of the Patriots to allow teams to kind of double dip on their their scoring opportunities. At the end of the third quarter, beginning of the end of the second quarter, excuse me, beginning of the third quarter, they're forcing turnovers in the red zone. They struggled against the run. Stephon Gilmore had didn't have a great game. Of course, the Boston media is already writing him off because that's what the Boston media does. But it seems this team is vulnerable to big bruising backs who can plow up the middle, and they seem to give up big plays and bad opportunities. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, I, I think that drive right before the half was uh, pretty problematic because I, I just want to read through some of the play sets that happened here. Uh, Raiders had the ball, 34 seconds left in the half, started it on uh, their own 25-yard line. You know, they had a pass to, to Brian Edwards, totally fine, 14 yards. They had to use a timeout. Patriots, totally fine, milking the clock. Car deep pass, uh, incomplete to Nelson Aguilar. Gilmore had a really bad defensive pass interference, 28 yards. That was like, he, I mean, he was just grabbing the player. That happens. But that just put them in field goal range. You know, they're on the Patriots 33, 21 seconds to go, 50-yard field goal right there. Then six-yard pass to Hunter Renfro. Totally fine. Kept him in the field of play, forced him to use another timeout. 27-yard line, though. Car pass to Hunter Renfro. 27 yards down to the goal line. Joe Juan Williams had a defensive holding call, declined. Uh, you know, they, they got the ball down to that goal line, the one-yard line. 
Uh, and then you had that touchdown to Moreau where the defense really wasn't competitive. They, he was just was wide open there. So I think that Adam Butler was also offsides on that one. Very, very, very sloppy drive by the Patriots defense. And that's absolutely where Bill Belichick is going to have his focus because those are the drives that you can't have against Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or the teams that are the best teams in the AFC. You can't allow these opposing teams to score with 30 seconds left in the half because that's usually, against good teams, what's going to make or break the game for you. Absolutely. If this had been Patrick Mahomes, I'd be like, well, that's Mahomes. It's what he does. Nothing you can do about it. But I wouldn't consider Carr to be this lightning for the half, let's get two scores kind of guy. And the, the ease with which the Raiders moved down the field on that last drive was definitely concerning. I am hoping it's just kind of a communication issue. We saw a little bit of it, what was it, the 2016 season maybe when the defense was just terrible for the first four years. I don't know, maybe it was 2016. 2017, Stephon Gilmore was out of place. He looked like we lost out there, and they and they, they figured it out. So uh, I'm not going to, to write them off just yet, but uh, I, I would like to see the Patriots tighten up there. However, Rich, more maybe bigger problems is just big running backs just seem to own this team, and I'm not sure what they can do about it. Yeah, I mean, part of it, I, I wonder if it was intentional a little bit because uh, if, if teams are running the ball, then they're not throwing it deep uh, and they're not scoring quickly. And I think the Patriots are trying to bet on opposing teams saying, we're going to still try and throw the ball. And like, you know, maybe they'll be on like a second and long, third and long sort of situation. And then they feel confident that the defense can clamp down. You know, they're, they're, they're happy to give up three, four yards, maybe even five yards on first down if they're able to force an incompletion in a third and long. But I, I would say that the question for me comes with, uh, I don't see anyone coming through that door to help bolster this run defense because they, you know, they technically have Bo Allen, but we have no idea what he's going to be able to bring to the table. There's no real linebacker depth on this team. Juwan Bentley has been okay. Uh, he is not like a Dante Howard replacement by any means. He has definitely been a, a drop in play from that, but that's okay because Hightower is one of the best linebackers in the league. The edge guys, Chase Winovich, has been incredible, but this defensive interior has been a little mushy, and I, I think that this might just be who the Patriots are going to be on defense because, you know what, they had a lot of players leave, and there was always going to be a drop in play, and this is just who they might be this year. It may be time to call up Bill Murray from the practice squad. <laughs> Do it for the jokes. Yeah. If nothing else, uh, if I can make a Dumb and Dumber and Caddyshack reference in the same fan notes, I'll be a very, very happy man. Um, yeah, I mean, that might be it. That might be the way the, the Patriots are going to get gashed. Every team has a weakness. There's no team in the league that's perfect, and they're susceptible to something. And maybe the area where the Patriots are going to be their Achilles heel. It's just big bruising backs that can grind out yards and make sure consistently instead of second and six. I feel like the first two Raiders drives was just a Jacobs run for like nine yards and a quick slant first down. And then they repeated it, repeated it. And then they got cute and turned the ball over. So uh, the luck, there aren't that many really big backs like that who can, who can grind out yards that way. And the Patriots will adjust. They always do. And it's going to be a long season, but I'm through three weeks, Rich. I feel like the Patriots are right where they need to be. I think we all had them at two and one um, before Cam Newton, before Tom Brady, before a whole thing went down. So I think, this team is as well-positioned as can be expected given the offseason, the opponents they've had, and the adjustments they're continuing to make. And if you're not happy with it, I don't have to tell you. 
Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I completely agree. I, I think that they have their week six bye week. Uh, so they have their game on the road against the Chiefs. Then they host the Broncos, who the Broncos are an absolute disaster. If the Patriots can get to that break with a three and two record, they will be, as you said, exactly where we expected them to be with some playing time under their belt so they can figure out how they want to attack the rest of the year. This is a team that's continuing to improve. I really liked what we saw out of the rushing games in week one and week three, really liked what we saw from the passing attack in week two. So we know they're capable of doing it all. And this is a defense that, yes, they're going to be weaker up front, but they're still a top 10 defense. They still have the best secondary in the game. They're just weak up the middle. And so they're going to have to find a way to compensate. They're going to have to continue to adjust. And I, I still think that this is a team, they just, I mean, they smoked the Raiders. This is this wasn't as close as a 36-20 score suggests, you know? So I, I think that this is a Patriots team. They'll be neck and neck with the Bills in the AFC East, as we said at the beginning. And you know what? Any given Sunday, they still have a chance that they can beat the teams like the Chiefs. Yes, they do. The only concern I think is going to haunt them all season, and I just, I keep, I think I've said this now for, Two or three years, which is really weird. I'm just very nervous for a scenario where the Patriots are down two at the 32-yard line with three seconds left, um, and they have to bring a kicker on to try and win the game. I'm not happy about that, but I will worry about that if and when it happens, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Now, this is a case where they really could use a kicker. Like, I don't know if you saw the Titans game. There's this guy named Steven Goskowski who had six field goals, including three from over 50 yards. That was a really incredible performance. I think the Patriots could really use a guy like that. My heart says, I think Adam Vinatieri is still available, too. I think oh. he's never prepared yet, so we can always bring him in. I'd love to see that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that Falk has been fine. He's can kick anything within 40 yards. I think I trust him with that. But yeah, anything beyond that is just going to be a real trip. Uh, but you know what? They can't settle for field goals next week against the, the Kansas City Chiefs, but we will break that down on our Thursday podcast. Alec, do you have any final thoughts on week three of the NFL season? No way, buddy. That should do it. All right. Well, until next time, you have a good one. You too, man. Later.